Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, uh, we're back. We're back, man. Again. We're always going to be back, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. If we're not back, we got trouble. <laughs> yeah, we should probably figure out a new way to, uh, to open these up. It's uh, no guest this time. It's just you and me again. So Yeah, yeah. You and me. You and me. You and I. You and I and me. I and I. I and you. <laughs> it's you and you and I. We, and we, I. we figured out in the last one that I am not an English major, so yeah, that's it, true. It's us. That's okay. We us against the world, buddy. <laughs> us against the world. What's our What's our topic of discussion today? You don't prep me for any of these. You just tell me to sit down and start talking. Essentially, yeah, that's usually how it goes. That's dangerous, buddy. You should know, know by now. It's dangerous. It works though. The, the people like that. So they say. They need new hobbies. I agree. Uh, so we're going to be talking about purchasing equipment. Oh, I've done a little bit of that over the years. Yeah. Um, and we're going to go uh, just a, a brief overview of what things that I have written down to cover is going to be like uh, new versus used and why. Mm. When you're when you're buying used or even new for that matter, what you're looking for, uh, how you factor in future proofing. When you're looking at used stuff, the condition of it that you have a level of acceptance for, for say like wear and tear on it, um, at what point do you realize that something may need x amount of dollars worth of work use that as a haggling point you know where's your threshold there? negotiating tactics yeah uh the, the brands matter why they matter with dealer support online parts availability how third, much time do we have for this podcast because I'm, I'm pretty passionate about everything you just said i could go on for days i've got 13 hours open on this sd <laughs> so um, well for the sake of the people listening we'll try to get it down to an hour yeah, but uh, these are all great points to cover yeah and then uh, basically just uh different implement and bucket manufacturers, how they kind of can or cannot work together with, with equipment you may or may not buy. And I, I think we could pepper in some kind of a, a commercial for Trucker Track. We kind of owe him that. Todd? Yeah. Our number one guest. Yeah, he's. this is in his wheelhouse. We'll, we'll see if we got time for Todd, and then we'll decide whether we plug <laughs> yeah. him or not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like the green button. <coughs> you do like the green button. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, first off, obviously, if you're buying equipment, you're probably going to be going into some sort of business, uh, whether it be hobby business. I guess there, I guess that's not totally true. I, I mean, yeah, mine originally started out for working on my own property. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could be buying. This would also apply for um, a farmer or a guy that buys five acres, all the way up to a guy that probably is going to buy about twif- fifteen. I'd say anything we're going to talk about will cover from the corporate level down. Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, makes owner sense. Owner-operator to homeowner to farmer, yeah. um, et cetera. Does that make sense? And and what are we going to define mm. equipment as um, larger than, a, say, a garden tractor? Yeah, I mean, I think anything with a, with an engine on it that um, performs a task, uh, whether it be a, a, a weed eater to um, a large excavator or a dozer. Oh, this I, is going to be a long one. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're going to focus on the bigger ticket items, not the smaller ticket items. But you can You can trickle it down. Same theories apply. Uh, so, so first off, this this is this has less to do about the actual equipment and more to do about the business practice, if you ask me. And we've we've covered this a little bit before in some other podcasts, but right. Um, I don't care who you are. Whenever you start off in business or you buy a piece of property and you're buying a piece of equipment for the first time, you don't know what you need. 
Yeah, you're right. You, you don't have a clue. You may think you know what you need, mm-hmm. and you've done a bunch of research on what you need, and that will get you in the wheelhouse. But um, I've never been confident enough in my ability to spec a piece of equipment that I'm unfamiliar with to, right. to go spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a new one. Would you say this might be where rental companies can come into play? Rental companies can come into play. Uh, you know, if let, let's just let's just use an excavator for an example. Okay. Uh, and the reason I'm going to use an excavator is because it has uh, a lot of different options on an excavator. You got long stick, you got short stick, you got a blade, you got a coupler, you got multiple different types of thumbs, you got different types of tracks, you got different weight classes, mm-hmm. zero tail swing, conventional tail swing. And all these options have their place. That's why they have these options. Right. But you need to, you you have a certain workload or a certain job task you're wanting to cover with this machine. So you need to figure out which of those options work best for you and what you're doing. Correct. Yeah. Um, And I, I go back to this, you know, whenever I bought the John Deere 120, I did a tremendous amount of research, and I wanted certain options like a progressive link thumb, a hydraulic quick coupler, a long stick machine under 30,000 pounds, and I wanted 30-inch pads. That's what my research told me. Mm -hmm. Honestly, guys, I didn't have no clue if that's what I really needed or not. Right. The only way I was going to find out if, if that's what I really needed for my business is either buy an affordable machine or rent a machine with those specs run it for a month and find out. Right. And uh, whenever I um whenever I did that, uh fortunately uh, in my case with the with the 120, all those specs panned out to be true. I paid $30,000 for a used machine, I bought it sight unseen. But fast forward that to whenever I wanted to replace it, and I ended up buying the Volvo 140. Right. I had a hard time finding a machine to replace that 120 because I knew what specs and what I wanted because I had the experience of running that machine. Well, that almost um, became a difference between what you wanted versus what you needed at that right, point. You right. knew what you needed. Yes, exactly. The, the The guesswork was out of it. Yeah. So, and, and I still apply those practices today. You know, um, I, I recently uh, just bought an attachment uh, that I have no experience with. Right. And th- this attachment news thirty five to forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Um, I found a used one for eight thousand dollars. Right. It's it's my proof of concept purchase. Um, whenever I run this machine, uh, one I find out if it's profitable to operate it. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, if it works, and I decide to buy a newer, updated version of it, I know what options I want from teeth to to pushers, to doors, the hydraulics, the size. Right. Uh, whenever Bells I go, whenever I go spend the big bucks on this on this machine, uh, uh, the machine I'm talking about, I'll go ahead and say it. It's a forestry mulcher. Right. So I bought a used one for eight thousand dollars. A new one's thirty five to forty. You know, they got this whole list of options in front of them. Half of them I don't know what they do because I've never operated one. Mm-hmm. Two, I don't know really for sure what jobs are going to become available once I get this. So I don't know if I need that option or not. Right. So I, I buy an entry level one. And and I'm going to run it for six, eight months or a year. Um, I may find out there's no work out there for it, and it's a waste of my money and time, and, and, and I'll resell it. Or I may find out that, wow, there's some money in this. Uh, I've been doing a lot of this, so I need this particular tooth. I've been taking down this size tree, so I need that push bar option. I do a lot of mulching, so I need to make sure it has this door. 
uh, I got this size machine and I want to take down this size tree, so I need to size it somewhere in this range. Now I have now I come to the table with knowledge. Right. I'm not a guess no more. Mm-hmm. I come to the table with facts. So you now know what you need. Right. Um, and it, and it, didn't, it wasn't a $35,000 learning experience. It was an $8,000 learning experience. Right, which I think also hand-in-hand uh, hand with that is you've got a pretty good philosophy about buying used anything, really. Yeah, I'm not um, – well, first off, out of all the equipment I own, which is close to 30 pieces of equipment, there's only one thing I've ever bought brand new off a of dealer lot. Let me think. Hold on. You're thinking awful hard. Is it the Mini? Nope. Do I know what it is? I think you do. Is it a lawnmower? Nope. It's my uh, pencil hitch trailer that I pulled behind my pickup oh, truck. I wasn't counting that. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the only thing I've ever bought new. Right. And uh, that just come down to dollars, cents, and options is basically because I had had multiple different cheap trailers. Mm-hmm. I seen how I was using my trailer. I knew exactly how I wanted this trailer to be specced. Right. And um, it was cheaper for me to order one new with the specs on it because finding one used wasn't an option. And, and the fi- the couple I found close to it were the price of a new one. So it just... Right. Again, I had the confidence that I knew what I needed. A lot of times with trailers, I find that kind of to be the case, um, especially if you know what you need. Right. You know, if you've already done a learning experience, like we've said, nine times out of ten, you're probably going to end up with a new trailer then that does not mean that you need to go and buy right an extremely expensive new trailer yeah i think this trailer i bought mm-hmm. it was an eight thousand dollar purchase you know right. what i mean it wasn't uh, it wasn't a big deal but that's the only thing i've ever bought from a dealer new since i've been in business right period. um and and that's just because the the reality of finding one used to do what i wanted it just wasn't a realistic op- you know realistic option right. and i mean had you had found <clears throat> that random Needle on a haystack. I'm sure you would have bought it used and not. Yeah, and, and I in in we can we can start straight down this road right now. If you're going to be shopping for used equipment, the very first thing you got to have is patience. You need to have patience. You need to know what you're looking at. You need to know what commonly goes bad. How much things cost to fix. Right. And this is all research that you should be able to do before you even find. Right. The thing that you're going to go look at. So let's just, uh, for sake of conversation here, Jason, let's just go hypothetically here. Let's just say that um, you or I, you pick one of us, is interested in buying um, a 40,000-pound dozer. Okay. Okay. And first off, I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make is being brand loyal. Yes. 100%. Uh, Every equipment manufacturer out there, from Doosan to Hyundai to Cat to John Deere to Komatsu, they all make a lemon. They all make a piece of equipment that's an absolute piece of crap. And it, it, once you once you get into these manufacturers, how many pieces of equipment they make and they produce and everything like that, you're, statistically, it's going to happen. Right. It, there's it's there's just, no way around it. I'm not faulting any of them. No. The reality is everything they make can't be the best of the best. Right. And I think if you get just um, sidetrack here. If you get a cat dozer and it's a serious issue machine, you have nothing but problems with this thing. But cat works with you. They warranty everything. You don't put a dime out. They give you a rental. You know, can you really fault them for that? Yeah, you're going down a different path that I think, because we're not talking about new equipment here. We're talking about used equipment. Yeah, that's true. So let, let's, we'll circle back around to that. Let's, let's yeah. head on down the used equipment route here. So, 
Um, so first off, you, 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 first off, at this point, you know what you need. You need a 40,000-pound dozer uh, that's not LGP and it has a four-way blade on it. Okay. That's your, that's your specs you're going for. Okay. So the biggest mistake you can make from the get-go from day one is say it has to be a cat. Right. Or it has to be a John Deere. Because you just took your search window, and you now you're now you're, instead of looking at the big old wide ocean, you're looking through a porthole. Right. You know what I mean? There's going to be so many awesome options out there that you just closed yourself off to. Now, and I'm going to contradict myself to what I just said, too, though. You're saying don't specifically pick one you want. Do you think it's a bad idea to maybe pick a few that you don't want? Well, th- this, this will come into play into your research. Mm-hmm. So whenever I'm looking in general, say I'm looking for a 40,000-pound dozer. Yeah. I do not, I, 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 the brand, the brand has nothing to do with it, period. Mm-hmm. I don't care what color it is. I don't care what name's on it. I don't care anything. Right. I'm looking for a 40,000 pound dozer with my specs. Okay. Period. It's all I care about. Does it meet my specs? Mm-hmm. And somewhere in there, you're going to have a budget. Right. Let's just say our budget's $50,000. Mm-hmm. So I'm going through Machinery Trader, Jason. And I come up, and let's just say I come across an old Allison dozer, an old um, Alice Chalmers dozer. Yeah. And this thing meets all of my specs. It's in my price range. All right. So now is when we start doing research on that dozer. Okay. And you start finding out about parts availability, support, uh, forums about known issues, um, life expectancy, availability of undercarriage and parts, um, you know, uh, there, the, with the internet nowadays, there's so much information out there available. Mm-hmm. And after you find that dozer, it meets your specs. You got to make sure you're comfortable with everything that comes along with that dozer. Okay. And let's just say you see something in your research you don't like. Um, now you can eliminate that from your list. Okay. You see my, my thought process here? Yeah. So your thought process is not necessarily figuring out what you think you want and then finding the machine it's finding the machines available what's the what's the point of doing a research on that dozer if you never find one to look at the very d- true yeah you don't do the research on until you till it's an option right you know save yourself the damn trouble sorry i hit the microphone i was like what was that save yourself the trouble so right now that's a realistic option you found one to met your specs so let's see if it meets let's see if we get the warm and fuzzies about and all those other categories yeah. and, and hypothetically no we don't so we all go on down the road, and now we found a Komatsu dozer that meets our specs, and we're comfortable with all that other stuff. Okay, so now we're going to take the next step, and we're going to go down the road a little bit farther. Mm-hmm. And I'm a firm believer in this. You make your money when you buy the equipment. You do not make the money when you sell the equipment. Right. And people are going to laugh at this. I'm going to I'm going to catch slack for it, and they're going to think I'm crazy. But I got a very simple theory. I buy 90% of the fleet I own, I have bought sight unseen. Mm-hmm. 90 times, my, most of the time whenever I say that, I get a big gasp and they think I'm crazy. And they're right. like, oh my God, I couldn't make that decision sight unseen. It's simple. It's very, very simple. If I'm dumb enough to buy it, I don't like it. I'll find somebody else dumb enough to buy it. Right, exactly. It, it, it's basically what it comes down to. So let's just say that I'm buying a $50,000 machine. Why do I want to spend $2,000 to go look at it? I'll take my chances and put $2,000 worth of parts on it and save myself the trouble on the trip. Right. Um, and, and we'll get to this a little bit here, but if you buy and sell enough equipment, 
There's some key questions you can ask. Mm-hmm. There's some things in the pictures you can look at. Mm-hmm. And if you do it enough, you can get a pretty good read on that piece of equipment of whether or not what you're getting. Right. You know, is somebody putting lipstick on a pig? Or is this a good machine that just rolled off a job site that somebody's rolling into a tax write-off right. situation? You know what I mean? Because that does happen. Yeah. That happens a lot. Um, and you can tell the difference between those different situations. And, and you know, um, uh, it, it goes back to, like, my equipment. People give me a hard time all the time for a scratch counterweight or a dirty cab and, mm-hmm. and this stuff. Whenever I look at a piece of equipment, I could give two shits less about it, whether the cab is dirty or the counterweight scratched or it's got mud in the tracks or right. any of that stuff. Um, I'm looking at the grease joints. You know, I'm looking at the lights. Are the lights still on it? Um, so uh, I guess we'll we'll go into the next the next phase of this. So yeah, um, you found a dozer. It's a Komatsu. Okay. Uh, you've done your research on this dozer, and um, you're comfortable with um, that it's a quality machine from the factory. The way it was built, you know, mm-hmm. you can get aftermarket and and dealer support for it if you need to. It fits the budget, transportation costs, getting it back. You're comfortable with all that. Right. So. Um, now you're looking at the machine, you're studying, and you're trying to figure out through 15 pictures whether or not this thing is, is legitly listed and the description is good on it, mm-hmm. or if somebody's blowing smoke up your hiding. Which does happen. Right. So there's two things that I look for on a piece of equipment that nine times out of ten will tell me how somebody took care of the rest of that machine. Okay. Do you have any idea what they are? Grease points? Nope. You'll, you'll probably never guess what they are. The dipstick? Nope. Mm. All right, shoot. All right. The first thing you can look for that'll tell you if somebody has took care of that machine and had a reputable mechanic working on it is Numbers if, on the filters. Nope. Huh? Is if the batteries are properly secured with the factory mounts. Oh, that's a good point. Because if somebody's taken the time over the years to keep those batteries in there the way the factory intended. Yeah. They've also taken the time to put every wiring loom back where it belonged, put every bolt back in the place it belonged, and everything else. Because the first thing every redneck mechanic does is put a damn bungee cord on the freaking batteries. Or a battery that's not supposed to be in there that they had in the barn. Right, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has played to be true on every piece of equipment I've ever bought. If I see a picture and the batteries are all wired in there and, and the right. wrong batteries or the wrong hold downs or the wrong stuff... If you get looking around that machine, you will find that that plays true throughout it. Somebody who has worked on that thing didn't give two craps about the machine. They just wanted to get it going that day. Right. And then they forgot about what they did and is rednecked from one end to the other. Oh, yeah. If you get a machine that the batteries are still properly attached in, you can pretty much go through that machine and find everything still in the place it's supposed to be from the factory. Mm -hmm. The second thing is the lighting package on the dozer. If somebody has taken the time to keep the lights in operating order and all the shields and guards around them and all the wires, that's one of the first things that always gets tore off, especially in clearing or, or rough applications like that. Right. So if they took the time to fix that when it got broke, because it did get broke, mm-hmm. they probably took the time to fix every little other knickknack on that machine when it broke because they cared. Right. Um, now, you tell most people, everybody wants to look at the dipstick and the undercarriage and the slop in the boom and, and all this other stuff. Yeah, you need to look at that stuff. Right. But if you want a quick glance or overall overall condition of that machine, you look at the batteries and the lights. That makes sense. 
you know, that, that's, that's what I study in pictures whenever I look at a machine. Now, you looked at the batteries, everything's looking good there. Yeah. You looked at the lights, all right. Uh, you know, along with the lights, you can study the boom or the hydraulic hoses all folded off and, you know, right, all that yeah. stuff. But um, So then, then the very next place you look is the cab. Uh, the cab don't have to be clean. I don't care if the floorboard's full of mud and this, that, and the other. I just want to make sure all the buttons are still there and the screens are punched out. Right. Um, all of the controls are there. I don't really care if they work or not. I just need everything to be there. Mm-hmm. I can't. It's a lot more difficult to fix something that's not there. Because you don't know what it's supposed to be anyway. Right. It's, yeah. it's pretty easy to fix it if it's there. So at this point, at this point, you need to make sure the machine is complete. All the panels are on it, all the guards are on it, all the buttons are in it, all the switches are there. Everything that that machine needs to operate the way it did from the factory is still attached to that machine. Right. Okay? So once the batteries are in it, the lights are on it, and everything that's supposed to have is attached to it, then you start going in the mechanical condition of it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if if the undercarriage is wore out, okay, who gives a crap? Just make sure the price reflects it. Right. You know what I mean? If the boom needs pins and bushings, bushings, who gives a crap? Just make sure the price reflects it. Right. If the thing needs an engine, who gives a crap? Just make sure the price reflects it. Assuming the engine runs. Right. So you can function test. Right. Yeah. So that's, you know, once you kind of get the, because there's so many machines you're going to eliminate right off the bat if you just look at those first few things first. Mm-hmm. So you get on down the road, and, uh, you know, all this stuff has started, is kind of checking out. So... You come to a crossroads, and, and your crossroads is, um, and, and my threshold on this is 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 a hundred thousand dollars and more. So if this machine's over a hundred thousand um, dollars, I at this point I will do one of two things, and most likely what I will do is hire a third party inspector to go look at the machine. Right. So if it's a Volvo, I'll call up the local Volvo dealer and said, "Hey, I got a machine over here for sale. Can you go do a report on it and report back to me?" Because they don't. They, 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 have don't, nothing. they don't give a crap. They yeah. don't have nothing to care. Um, or if it's close, I will drive and look at that. But mm-hmm. that's honestly rare cases, guys. I've only done that one time of all the machines I bought. Uh, and it's actually the biggest piece of crap machine I own is the one I actually went to go look at, <laughs> uh, which is the Volvo Excavator. Mm-hmm. Everything else I've bought sight unseen. I bought it at a price that I was fully prepared. If there was issues, I could afford to fix, fix those issues and still have the machine for undervalued price. Right. Um, now, one huge advantage I got, and, and I'll let you take the lead on this a little bit if you want to, is, is I can do a lot of my own mechanic and work. Right. That's not always the case for everybody, so you may need to have a trusted mechanic, you know, in your close circle that you trust. Yeah, I think that's definitely important. Um, I also think that, there's a lot of, I mean, this goes back to being prepared. There's a lot of classes that you can take. There's a, a, almost every tech school out there has night classes. Right. You can learn the basics. Um, and you can learn the basics to a point where you can do a lot of the work. Uh, specialty stuff, okay, fine. You're probably going to have to go to the dealer with it. Right. A uh, good thing about taking a machine to the dealer is a lot of, a lot of heavy equipment shops around here are still flat rate, right? Uh, are they hourly now? Most of them are hourly. Okay. Um, well, either way, you should be able to call your local dealer and say, hey, how much would it cost me to put a final drive in a D6 dozer? You know, you call your local cat dealer. And they should be able to give you a roundabout. Well, all right, you might be looking at twenty-five grand. Right. You know, 
So if you go out and you, or someone goes out and, and looks at this machine and says, oh, final drive is kind of weak. Now your price needs to reflect potentially twenty five grand. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess you are fortunate in the sense that you do all of your own work. Um, trying to think of how that how to make that portrayed to the average person. Yeah. So whenever I look at a machine with a final drive out of it, that's a ten thousand dollar repair to me. Right. You look at a machine with a final drive out of it, that might be a twenty five thousand dollar repair for you. Well, I'm going to repair it myself. Well, hypothetically, you know what I'm <laughs> yeah, saying. No, I know. <laughs> uh, so you need to understand. Yeah. I think what you're trying to say is you need to understand your situation. Yeah, you need to know before you consider pulling a trigger on this. You need to know what you can and cannot fix. Right. And I guess my point is that you've been a mechanic. I am a mechanic, um, but there are classes out there for the person who's not a mechanic, maybe the business owner, to go learn basics. Yep. It's, it's going to be a very rare occasion that you're going to find somebody I'll, going uh, through that. I think I got an example of this I can give you that'll um, maybe bring this full circle a little bit. Is uh, I'm gonna back, back before I was doing YouTube, um, four or five years before I bought the Volvo, I was, I was actively looking then as a machine to replace or back up the 120. Mm-hmm. And I came across this heck of a deal on a 314C Cat. Mm-hmm. It was an LCR machine. Had low hours on it, and um, but it fell off a low boy trailer, and the cab was smashed on it. Okay. And I thought, well, man, this thing was just dirt cheap, and it, it was low hour machine, and it, it met a lot of the specs I was looking for. Had a blade on it, and uh, I'm not the best body guy, and I I searched for a month or two, I searched for a month or two for cab for this machine. I was having a hard time finding anything. But I, but I kind of got the feeling that if I could find a cab, I was probably looking at about ten grand. I just had to be patient to find one. Mm-hmm. So uh, I bought the machine and I brought it back here to the shop, and I couldn't find a cab. And I was starting to uh, go through the process of rebuilding the cab I had, and quickly realized that uh, it was out of my skill set. Like this, this, I mean, I could make it to where it was usable, but it was it was not going to be a nice machine. You know right. what I mean? And I had it for about a year and a half or two years, and it sat here in the shop taking up space. And I walked in here one day, and I thought, you know what? It's time to, it's time to cut my losses on this machine. So I bought the machine for thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. At this point, I had about thirty-five thousand dollars in it for some parts and my time and stuff like that. Right. So uh, I put it on the internet for forty-five thousand dollars. Sold it in two hours. And the moral of that story goes back to you make your money when you buy. Yeah. You know, I recognize that was a good deal. And even if even if everything went horribly wrong like it did, mm-hmm. I was still confident I could at least get my money back at the very minimum or make some money at it, you anyway. know, anyway. Yeah. And uh, a farmer ended up buying it. And he still runs it today with that beat-up cab on it. I mean, I had it to where the door at least closed and, you know, and, and the weather stayed out, but it wasn't pretty by no stretch of the imagination. And uh, it was one of the best purchases he ever made. You know what I right. mean? But how much would that excavator have cost him? Yeah, it was, know? Uh, you know, that excavator with a new cab on it, uh, that excavator with a new cab on it was probably an eighty-five dollars to $90,000 machine. So him even buying it after you bought it and resold it, got it at half price. Right, right, know? right. So, you know, I, I'm, not, um, I'm not immune to, you know, getting in over my head or tackling something I can't, right. I can't do, but... Still, I knew what my entry-level cost was, and I knew that I was low enough that I could afford to take that risk. And uh, how many times do you think it, it happens that you come across this 
great deal like that per se versus somebody gets burned. So out of the, it all goes back to. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Your, um, your research, you know, everybody hears about the horror stories. Yeah. You know, I mean, me in particular, I don't really go around bragging about all the home runs I hit. Mm-hmm. You know, nor does anybody care. But out of all the machines I've bought sight unseen... I wouldn't say I've ever been burnt on one, but there is one machine in particular that I bought. It was a, a 450G John Deere dozer, and uh, I was misled on it. Uh, I bought a pretty paint job, and um, when the machine arrived, it was not as described. Mm-hmm. Now, fortunately for me, I bought this thing dirt cheap, and by the time I got done with it, I broke even on it. Right. You know what I mean? The only money I made off that machine is I operated it for two years on the job sites and had the revenue from that. But mm-hmm. I sold it for the exact amount I had in it. Right. Um, again, the saving grace in that is I negotiated $5,000 off the price in the beginning. Right. And got the price down to where I was. it was low enough. I was comfortable to take that risk. Uh, I thought I hit a home run on it, and it was uh, – you know, it was it was a break even yeah. break even deal. Ironically, way back on Captain Clemens' channel, there's some videos of uh, rebuilding that old dozer. Oh yeah, yeah. There is some videos out there that old 450G do, uh, dozer. But that is the only situation that I wouldn't even call that a scare. But that's the only time that I was, um, you know, uh, almost got caught in a in a desperate situation. But you know, I'm going to turn that around on you a little bit. I think of the thousands and thousands of dollars that I have saved in, in time I stay on the job site producing revenue, mm-hmm. not traveling around looking at this stuff because yeah. um, it all comes down to purchase price. Yeah. Like if it's if it's a good enough deal and you know it's a good enough deal and you're confident it's a good enough deal uh, and you're buying it with, with room in there for repairs, then just – Stop wasting your time. Pull a damn trigger and go get it. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, get it here. Get a, get evaluated. Because you're yeah. not gonna. You're also not gonna go out to Joe Schmo's uh, auction site and tear all the belly pans off this thing. No, you know that that's just not realistic. You're gonna go out there if it's got good batteries in it. You're gonna start it. Maybe they'll jump it for you. If it doesn't, yep. You're gonna run it forward and backwards six times. Put the blade up and down. And, and, and if you if you guys are going to an auction, the only way you're ever gonna get a good deal at an auction is you go there to buy whatever's cheap, not what you want. If you're going yeah. to an auction to buy a dozer, uh, if you're going to auction to buy a D6 or, or a 40,000-pound dozer, mm-hmm. and you're there for two or three items and you're hoping they go cheap, not going to happen. If you want to go to an auction and make money, is as that auctioneer goes down the, the line, I don't care if it's a fork truck, a crane, a roller, a dozer, an excavator, a locomotive, yeah. a man lift, concrete mixer, straw blower, a concrete bucket, the list can go on and on. 
You need to know what every one of those pieces of equipment would sell for retail, and anytime any one of those go for half price, you buy it. Yep. No matter what it is, you buy it. Exactly. That's that's how you make money in an auction. Mm-hmm. Is you don't go there for a, a specific piece of equipment. You go there for a good deal. Yep. No matter what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my quick theory on an auction. I would agree with you. Uh, but anyways, we got a little bit off subject there with 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 the auction. Um, so anyways, yeah, that, that's my story on, you know, the one time I come close, but I flipped that around to the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars I've saved by not chasing down all these leads and studying pictures and, and, and different stuff like that. Right. Now, if you're fortunate enough to talk to somebody, mm-hmm. um, uh, anytime you can get history on a machine is always a, a huge, huge plus. Okay. Um, if I'm, I, I always prefer my first choice is always to buy from an individual, not a dealer. I would agree with that, yeah. And keep in mind, individuals can be salespeople. Yeah. But, you know, some of the key questions you need to ask is, you know, how long have you owned the machine? Um, the, the big one is, is, you know, what's the, what's the purpose of getting rid of it? Right. Um, you know, the, the the famous one is, is I bought it to do this lake, and I'm done with the lake, and now I'm getting rid of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's always more to that story. Well, I mean, I bought my Mini for clearing the front yard. Right. And now I'm done with it, but I'm not selling it. Right. <laughs> you know. Because it's a good machine. Yeah. But, it, it I mean, it does happen. Right. It but does. It, again, going back to doing your homework, you should be able to see that machine and know if that's the case or not. Right. You know. Uh, so yeah, and then one thing that always scares me in that situation is if you if a farmer has never owned a dozer in his life buys a dozer to build something, he's going to be a hell of a lot rougher on that dozer than somebody knows how to operate one every day. That's very true. You know what I mean? So that that don't honestly get me really excited. Right. That that actually throws up a tremendous amount of red flags because one, he can honestly be, be he can honestly be misleading you and not even know just because of his lack of knowledge of the machine. Yeah, like he don't know what the difference is between you know fifty percent undercarriage and eighty percent undercarriage. Uh, he don't understand the hydraulic drives. You know the temperature on that's running hotter than what it should, and that means that you know big dollars in in the next couple thousand hours. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's no disrespect to the seller. He might not even know how to tension tracks. Right. No disrespect to the seller, but he just don't have the knowledge to, to properly answer your questions. And you need to realize that. Right. Um, so I, I do like buying from individuals because on the flip side of that, sometimes they're brutally honest and, and they give you information that's not good information. They think it's great information. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and you can process all that and 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 do do what you need to with it. Uh, so usually with an individual, at least at least if you're buying from an individual, you do have access to somebody that has ran that thing more than just up and down the the sales lot. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, so good or bad or indifferent, I guess what I'm trying to say is 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 is. Consider the experience level of the operator you're taking the information from and then yeah. apply that to your knowledge of the machine and make sure everything lines up. Yeah. If it barks like a dog, wag, or smells, what is it, barks like a dog, smells like a dog? Quacks like a if it, uh, uh, Yeah, you got that all messed up. Listen. We're going to have the tail wagging the dog here in a minute. <laughs> 
So, oh boy. So you know the the flip side of this is you know your next option is, is you're probably going to be buying from some some of uh, equipment peddler, mm-hmm. or uh, or or you know you, you you're fortunate enough to go up to the big leagues and go from you know some new paint uh, or something off a new lot. Equipment dealers are not always the devil. You know, there's a no. lot there's a lot of good ones out there. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of these guys buy stuff at auction, and they really do not have any knowledge of the machine at all. Mm-hmm. They're and, just making a living like you and I. Right. And, and at that point, you have to revert back to everything else we looked about, you know, as far as lights and battery holders and, and just make your own assessment uh, assessment of the condition of the machine. Right. But, you know, some of these guys, like the 850 Dozer I bought, uh, I called this guy up, and, and uh, I said, you got any history on the machine? He goes, I don't know nothing about it, but the guy down the street owned it for 20 years. Here's his phone number. And you get really lucky, and you, yeah, because um, this this 850B John Deere dozer I bought is a good example of um, I did my research on this machine, okay, and at 10,000 hours they were known for losing the hydrostatic drive, mm-hmm. and that was about a twenty thousand dollar repair, which most of them didn't get repaired because that's what the value of the machine was. Right. So I seen this dozer on the internet, and it had. 10,000 hours on it, and they were asking $25,000 for it, and I thought, man, I just, my research tells me, it's a beautiful dozer, it's in good shape, my research tells me that's a bad decision. Yeah. And uh, this dozer set for sale for six, eight months, and uh, finally I decided I'm just going to make a phone call and ask about it, because it was a really good looking dozer. So I call the guy up, and he's like, yeah, we traded for the guy down the street, and I don't know a whole lot about it. It's been sitting here for six, eight months. They didn't even own the dozer. They were trying to sell it for this other guy. Right. And uh, he goes, uh, i give you his phone number if you want to call him. I said, sure, I'll give him a call. So I call this guy up, and uh, he's like, oh, man. He goes, that's an awesome dozer. He goes, we just put twenty grand in that thing about $1,500 ago. He goes, it's got all new CAT recertified hydrostatic drives in it, all new CAT undercarriage on it. He goes, I can't believe we got rid of it. He goes, that, that dozer's in absolute tip-top shape. He goes, that, that dozer should run for another 10,000 hours. Huh. And uh, I thought, that's the information I need. So uh, he's, he told me, he goes, have the guy go out there and pull the back panel off of it. And he goes, there's a tag in there. And it says all that on it. So I asked the guy to go out there and take the panel off, put a tag on it. Sure enough, there it was, you know. Yeah. And um, so I bought it. And, you know, I got it here to the shop, everything checked out, and it's been, you know, an awesome purchase. I've put 3,000 hours on it since I've had it, and I had a minute's trouble out of it. You know, it's Jerry's favorite dozer. Right. But uh, it's just the process. You know, in that situation, I was lucky enough to have access to somebody that gave me some information. Mm-hmm. It really made me feel a lot more comfortable about the price in that machine because if without that information, I probably wouldn't have paid over $10,000 for that machine. Right. Which means you probably would have not gotten it. Which means I probably wouldn't have bought it, and yeah. I would have missed out on an awesome machine. Right. So, um, and the guy put more money in the dozer than what it was worth, but that's not my problem. That's his problem. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I mean, it, and it, that happens. Right. Um, so when it comes to specking out equipment, say, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be new, a new machine. You know, you you can buy a, a used machine at a dealer or something like that right. and have them change it around for you. Right, retrofit it. Yeah. How important is that? Oh, my goodness. Well, a Bobcat's not a skid steer. A skid steer's not a skid steer. I mean, the options are... Yeah. Uh, if you guys watch YouTube or do any of this stuff, you know, you can see one piece of equipment in hundreds of different configurations. Right. 
Um, I, I don't know, maybe a skid steer is a good one to kind of go down this path on a little bit because I'd say a skid steer or uh, like maybe a mini or something. Um, so first off, you're not whenever you're especially if you're in a business like me, as we do a variety of businesses, mm-hmm. a variety of work. So some days my mini excavator is going to be too big. Some days my mini excavator is not going to be big enough. Right. Um, so you got to find that overall average of like, where's my sweet spot? Like, what's what's my parameters? I want to work between here and there. So what what fits in there? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I get the comment all the time of, uh, you know, you need a bigger excavator. You need, well, I might need for that job, but guess what? I get by just fine with what I got because right. I have it spec'd accordingly to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more universal you can make your equipment, the better. So right. I do have a window of work, parameter of work that I'm looking for that I I want this machine to cover. So that kind of goes with the size, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, in an excavator or a a skid steer, you know, am I going with a 75 horse or a 95 to 100 horse? Right. Uh, So once I get the size down, Pat, then what type of work am I going to be doing? Like what kind of options do I need? Do I want tracks or do I want tires? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do I want high flow? Do I want standard flow? Um, you know, so th- th- you start have asking your questions. Like, if, if I'm chasing a bunch of forestry mulching jobs, I need high flow. Right. If I'm going to be working in the mud, you know, I want t- I want tracks. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be working, you know, if I mind this machine just to plow snow, I probably I want buy tires. Tires. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and that goes back to you need to do all your research and find out what you think you need. And then I suggest buying an entry level machine and prove your concept. Yeah, and then if, if your concept proves to be true, then you start specking out that higher dollar, nicer machine with the options you know you need, not a guess anymore. Right. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question, but I know you're not gonna answer it anyway. <laughs> so, at what point, when do you buy new paint? Um. So. I don't know if I'm the best person to answer this question because I don't own new paint. Right. Uh, mostly because... Uh, is there a is there a time and a place for new paint? Yes, there is a time and a place for new paint. Uh, I, absolutely, there's a time and a place for new paint. Um, in So, if your business model uh, doesn't have service trucks or doesn't have a mechanics on staff and uh, you're running 30 machines or so, um, 10 machines or so mm-hmm. and you're doing a lot of the same production work where you're keeping them busy on a, on a high hourly rate or a high hourly usage per month um, you're probably better off buying some new machines and having the dealer support behind them because right. what you're saving in mechanics and service trucks you're spending with the dealer yeah. and their support um, uh, that type of business model to me is not is, is a little bit less of an owner operator and more of a, a um, corporate uh, well more of a gc type guy yeah, yeah where, okay. you, where you you know what i mean you're you're going out here and you're bidding and looking at this job and you got like government contracts or utility contracts or um stuff of that nature um so that's definitely a place where new equipment comes into mind because they don't want to mess the biggest myth out there is is old equipment's not as reliable as new equipment that's the absolute 
bullshit. So somebody from the truth. somebody comes to me and says I buy new equipment because I don't want downtime. I just freaking laugh in their face because that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Right. I got I got a twenty year old Traco with with thirteen thousand hours on it that I will, if I take it to a job and I cannot break down like breaking down is not an option. Right. I will take that machine before my new one because I don't trust my new one. Yeah. For um, good reason too. Yeah. Uh, just that is absolute asinine. Edu- uneducated, mm-hmm. ridiculous excuse for buying new equipment is because it's more reliable. That's one of the stupidest things I ever heard in my life. It's mm-hmm. just absolute bullcrap. You know, a lot I, of people believe in that though. Oh well, they they need to get a they need to get a life. I sure. mean, I uh, that's if you're going to have a lot more issues in business if you got that mentality. You're buying new paint for dependability. Oh yeah, it's absolutely bullcrap. Um, I got a brand new piece of equipment sitting on the lot right here on my driveway that's got less than 10 hours on i'm waiting on the dealer to show up to work on it right you know what i mean it's stupid mm-hmm. not that particular situation but the whole yeah, that mindset that particular situation is a uh, very specific situation i don't yeah, think that's yeah. a fair assessment no it's not a fair assessment to that but my point is the mentality of new equipment is more dependable on old equipment is is crap oh yeah well i I mean, I go back to my truck, and, uh, you know, I, I bought. I wasn't planning to buy a new truck by any stretch of the imagination, and we ended up buying a new truck for a few key reasons. But um, that was brand new, and then spent three and a half weeks in the dealer getting warranty work. Yep. You know, and I, I think it had 1,200 miles on it. There's also, it there's also some truth to used equipment is proven. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. There's 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 a lot of truth to use the used equipment is proven. So, that's one situation where new paint comes into play. The mm-hmm. second situation, and I might find myself in this situation in the near future, is where you want a piece of equipment a certain way. You want certain specs on that, right? Certain options on that, and it's unique to what's normally out there. And you have no choice but to to buy it new to get what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, if I ever buy a new piece of equipment, that'll be the reason why I buy a new piece of equipment what about people who toss around uh write-offs i think there's a common misconception there yeah there's there's a little bit of a common misconception there it's only a write-off if you really need it right you know what i mean but you you can also write off a used piece of equipment you can and and here's my thought on uh, let's just say i got a hundred thousand dollar equipment budget for the year right so i could go buy one piece of equipment for a hundred thousand dollars and have it Mm mm-hmm or I could go buy three pieces of equipment for a hundred thousand dollars, and now I got three more, three times more options for work. Right. I'm three times more diverse. With a very similar write-off. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think that's where a lot of people get and hung off or get hung up. This is what everybody else forgets: is I can buy a used piece of equipment, use it, sell it, and make money. Mm-hmm. There is nobody in this world that's ever bought a new piece of equipment, used it, sold it, and made money. Nope. Because you, you're chasing your depreciation tail. Nobody's ever talked about that. Nope. You know what I mean? So, you know, again, you make money when you buy. Mm-hmm. You don't make any money buying a new piece of equipment with the intentions of using it and reselling it. No. Um, now, this, you got to keep in mind the realm we're working in. You get into mine production and, and big heavy highway work and large commercial jobs. That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. I'm talking about small guys like me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we I work with um, a very large company, 
and we have a very large equipment budget um, in the hundreds of millions, if not billions, uh, category. And we buy all of our equipment new. Right. And we've got a general rule of thumb that when that machine hits the property, uh, you've got about 18 months before you can count on it. And, and uh, that's not me exaggerating or anything like that. I mean, we use specialized equipment, and it comes from specialized equipment manufacturers. And it's all got bugs in it. It's all got problems. It's all got to be fixed. It's all got to be redesigned. I don't think we've ever had a single piece of equipment show up and hit the job site and not be a problem. Right. You know, it's just there's there's something to be said about proven equipment. Right, right. And the price, re- and, the, and, the, and the proven equipment is cheaper. You know, that's yeah. what everybody seems to miss. You know, somebody go, some people go down this, um, this road of, of new equipment as a, as, a, as a social status or a look-at-me type thing. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, I don't know why anybody would want to play that game. Uh, that's, I'm not going to let my work do the talking, not my right. equipment. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, it's... Um, yeah, I just I just don't play that game. I I just don't. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even gonna go down that road. Yeah, and again, everybody's situations may vary, but um, the situations that we're specifically talking about or that we're familiar with, at least, are not that. No, you know, no, no I. You're you're never gonna see me going down the road with a brand new truck or a brand new excavator or, or a brand new anything and. Um, I mean, I want my equipment to be presentable and look nice. Right. But the first thing is it to be reliable and functionable. Right. And, um, and affordable. Some of those points, actually, I, just to clarify, we bought the new truck because at the time, Ford was running a whole bunch of promotions right. that we ended up walking away. I think we paid $8,000 less for the brand new truck than for the three-year-old one sitting on the lot with 40,000 miles on it. There's something to be said. Maybe the 2017 one would have not had the water leakage issue, you know, that we had. But, I mean, in the reality of it, the downtime of of three weeks wasn't eight grand. Right. So, like I said, that was a very, very specific, very niche situation that kind of walked, what we walked out with a new piece. And I, I don't think I would ever do it again. I mean, I'll never be the person to walk out and look for something new. Right. You know, it's just, I don't, I don't see it. I don't know. We can, we can all dream, you know, uh, but. But I, I don't even dream about that. <laughs> like, I go back to what you said earlier about having a budget for the year and buying three pieces. Yeah. You know, that, that's where I would be happy. Right. Like, okay, well, I need, I need to go buy a truck this year. And I'm going to budget myself sixty-five grand. Well, I was able to buy a truck that works that's used for forty, had twenty-five left over, and look, I went and bought a skid steer. Right. You know, something like that. So now, now if the trucking business gets slow, you can go clean up a fence row, or exactly, or, or go do something, yeah. you know, along those lines. Or that's, I've got another asset down the road that if I have to start dumping things to make money and put yeah. food on the table. Yeah, you can. can sell the skid steer and you still got the truck. Right. You know what I mean? That's how all I your, look at All things. your eggs are not in one basket. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, people that follow my YouTube channel know the the huge diversity of work I do. Yeah. 
And a lot of that's because of the uh, the diversity of the equipment I got. Yeah. And, you know, uh, my 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 loader, for example, you know, I bought that for seven or eight thousand um, dollars. I use it quite a bit. It's a very handy tool I got. But mm-hmm. there's no way, there's no way, I could afford to buy a loader and have a payment on it and sit as much as what it does. Right. But you know, I, I bought it cheap. I bought it affordable. If it sits on a lot for thirty days and don't get used, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But whenever that random job comes up of pulling boat docks out of the lake, and the loader is the right tool for the job, I'm like killing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I got the equipment available and, and and I can go do it. Right. And you can never be backed into a corner. Right. You know. Yeah. And you know, you the last thing you want to do is you know your customer that your your biggest customer you do all this work for. All of a sudden, he comes over with a job that you're not accustomed to, and you got to tell him to call your competition because you don't have the equipment to, to do that. And all of a sudden, your competition went in there and showed you up. Yep. You just went from being the man in to the man out, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, uh, so there's a, there's a lot of different ways to, uh, a lot of different ways to, um, to look at that. Right. Uh, you know, as far as how, how to approach that. But, uh, and... I always caution everybody that I give advice to, you know, what works for me may not work for you. So Yeah, yeah, you, that's, you know, I feel like that's a disclaimer that should go on this entire podcast. Yeah, so you need to take what information we are presenting and, and use that as knowledge to make a decision for your situation because nobody understands your situation as good as what you do yourself. Or you should be understanding it. Yeah, well, I, yeah. Ho- I hope you're the most understanding person. Yeah. Uh, of, I hope you're the most understanding person in uh, in your business. But that's, you know, the whole point of these podcasts is, is to kind of give people knowledges or, or thinking points, I think, is a yeah. good way to uh, describe that. You know, give Yeah, thinking you, points. you can kind of listen to what we're talking about and build on it in your own. Yeah, because we're kind of fortunate between the two of us because we've got, uh, you know, different experiences in this department as far as, yeah. you know, buying and selling equipment. And, uh, I, I've over. made a lot of mistakes that other people can learn from. Right. That's how I always describe it. And, and, I, and I'm not immune to the mistakes. You mm-hmm. know, I've made some along the ways too, but thank goodness that I, you know, had my systems in place and I protected myself from Yeah, that, I, you know? I will say that all the mistakes that we've made, I... Uh, we haven't lost money yet. <laughs> you know? That's always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I've broken even more times than I would like to be or to admit, but I've yet to lose anything. Yeah. So. Uh, but uh, yeah, hopefully that uh, hopefully that helps there. Did we cover all of your talking points there, Mister Works? We did. Yeah, we can uh, um, we can wrap this one up. I think we already lost one camera, and the other one's at eight percent now. So, <laughs> <laughs> unless anybody wants to sit in here and look at me. Talking to the microphone, doing nothing. <laughs> well, hopefully, they're listening to it, not uh, not yeah, watching you. But that's uh, a good point. We are on all the streaming services now. Yeah, that uh, is correct. You could do Apple, you could do Spotify, whatever. Just search a few points from Perfect Podcast, and uh, still posting on our YouTube channel as well, which has the uh, the video along with the podcast. If you yep. prefer to, uh, to prefer to go that route, yep, uh, have plenty more subjects and and topics coming. So stay tuned for all that. Yeah, uh, suggestions, comments, uh, a few points from perfect at yahoo.com. Go to the YouTube channel, leave a comment. You know, best way to get a hold of us. Yep. So. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Hope you enjoyed. Hopefully you learned something, at least gave you some food for thought. And um, I guess we'll uh, catch you on the next one. Sounds good. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.